monster is a mirror, and when we look at him, we look into our own hidden faces, meditate on this at second level. Is this life reality? No. It is a film. The television screen is the retina of the mind's eye. Therefore, the television screen is part of the physical structure of the brain. Here is the hair I've lost in the past three months. Take it. It belongs to you. You will know why one day. That's fucking crazy, man. Welcome to Weird Movie Club. I am the lady and I sound like this. Today's movie is Barman Finch. And now your host, Anil and Siri. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Weird Movie Club podcast. I'm your host, Daniel, and with me is your other host... It's Sari! Is it exciting to be back and watching a weird movie again? It is exciting. So today we're going to watch a movie from the United States. Oh. It's from 1991. Oh, that's pretty new. And it's directed by the Coen brothers. Yeah, I know them. This movie is called Barton Fink. Mm. As usual, I've seen the movie before and Sari's never seen it. I've seen one of the movies. Like the Coen brothers have made tons and tons of movies. Yeah. You've probably seen more than one. Can you remember which Coen brothers movie you've seen? No. You might have seen Fargo. It's one of their most successful mainstream movies. Uh, but this is one of my personal favorite movies, mm-hmm. which means you might not like it because <laughs> the ones that are my favorite tend to be the ones that uh, you don't like. Uh, it's not necessarily true. So let's just go in. Okay. Watch Barton Fink, one of the earlier Coen Brothers movies, and then we'll talk about it after the break. Yay! For the first time in the history of the Cannes Film Festival, one film has swept all the major awards. Barton Fink, a new film by Joel and Ethan Coen. Are you a writer, Mr. Fink? Actually, I'm writing for the pictures now. Oh, you'll lick this picture business, believe me. You got a head on your shoulders. And what is it they say? Where there's a head, there's hope. And we're back from watching Barden Fink. Yay. So, Sari, this is a movie that a lot of writers, especially screenwriters, mm. consider to be one of the best movies about writing. It's a movie mm. that really captures the feeling of what it's like to be a writer, especially one struggling with writer's block. Mm. So, what's your overall feeling about the movie? It was really dreamlike. Yeah. I don't know if the writer is sad or happy at the end or depressed. Like, I don't know how he feels at the end. It's really interesting. It's like all the scenes are not weird compared to other weird movies, but overall it's, it has full of weirdness. Yeah, overall taste it's weird, but uh, each individual scene is not weird and but yeah, you, it's dreamlike. But you'd say it's a weird movie? It is. Right. It, it's a weird movie movie but in a different way different way it has like kind of a straightforward story yeah yeah but still a weird movie yeah easy to follow but yeah the story seems simple enough and yet it has a lot of depth to it i think yeah and it has lots of mysteries like questions you ask why and those are really clear let's go through the plot okay starts with 
a play ending and flow applause and the writer get standing ovation. Right, it's Barton Fink's play. It seems like it's kind of like a play about working class people. Oh yeah. The yeah, set yeah. is very realistic. Yeah. After that plays over, he goes out to a fancy dinner and he gets lots of compliments, but he feels like his play's not great. It's just adequate. He's not happy. Yeah, he gets an offer to be a writer for picture and invited to Hollywood. He doesn't seem happy about the offer. He would rather work for stage play, making play for common man. He wants to create a living theater for the common man. That's his dream. Yeah, and then he goes to the hotel. The hotel is kind of really run down and the receptionist is weird. Yeah. His name is Chet. That's right. He, yeah. he makes it really clear that his name is Chet. Yeah. The actor playing Barden Fink is John Turturro, mm-hmm. who's been in lots of things. For example? I mean, he's in almost all of the Coen Brothers movies. Okay. And almost all of the actors in this movie appear in lots of other Coen Brothers movies. Mm. So if we watch more Coen Brothers movies, we can kind of play a game like, do you remember who this person <laughs> was in the last movie? Oh. The receptionist, the bellboy, yeah. Steve Buscemi. Oh, that name sounds familiar. He goes to the room and he sees the picture of of a woman on the beach. Yes. And he's also, there's a mosquito kind of distracting him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The mosquitoes buzzing around. Then he sees the producer. Yeah, he goes to meet with the fast-talking Hollywood producer. Yeah, the producer's acting like crazy and loud and like noisy. I don't know if it's a stereotypical... I think it's kind of a stereotypical Hollywood movie producer. Okay, yeah, he seems really crazy. The producer, who's named Jack Lipnick, wants Barden to write a wrestling movie. Oh, that's right. Using an actor named Wallace Beery. And then he meets Charlie at his room. He hears really loud laughing noise from over the wall and he makes a complaint uh, to the receptionist and receptionist, yes, I'll take care of it right away and then he just, the receptionist just calls the next room person to complain (laughs) and then the neighborhood seems mad and he comes to his room. His name is Charlie? Yeah, his name is Charlie Meadows and he's played by an actor named John Goodman. Did you think it was scary when he came over after the noise complaint? Yes, it was scary. He's a big intimidating guy. Yeah, yeah, he's huge. Right. And they have a drink together. And then the Charlie keeps trying to tell a story. But Barton ignores and he always talks about his writing work. Yeah, Barton keeps saying things like how he wants to be in touch with the common man. Right. But he actually doesn't seem like he has any interest. In, yeah, he doesn't he, seem he doesn't to He doesn't want to listen to the common man talk. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He just keeps interrupting and ignoring him. Yeah. And then he next day he meets I don't know who that guy is like another producer his name is Ben Geisler okay and he's played by an actor named Tony Shalhoub it seems like he really doesn't want to produce the movie because he thinks it's going to be a B movie or kind of like a bad Mm. low budget movie oh yeah they go to the restaurant together Barton is having trouble getting started because he doesn't know anything about wrestling right Ben said you can get advice from some other writers you can find Writers very easily by throwing rock. If you throw a rock, you'll hit a writer. Barton goes to the bathroom and then he hears noise of like a guy throwing up. And then it turned out that guy throwing up is a really famous writer Barton really loves. And then later he visits his apartment 
And then he immediately hears like Bill screaming a woman like really crazy. Yeah, he's ridiculously drunk. Super, super drunk. And then a woman shows up. She's a secretary of Bill, but they're also having relationship. Her name is Audrey. Yeah, Audrey. And Bertin seems to kind of fall in love with her. And then like, I think they set up like another meeting for later, but then he goes back to the room and then he tried to write, but he can't. At the hotel, Chet has left him a present. Yeah, 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 wallpaper's peeling down, so Chet, <laughs> instead of fixing the wallpaper, he just left a bunch of pins yeah. to get, <laughs> get the guest fix the wallpaper. I found it funny. And then Charlie comes over again. Yeah, Charlie comes over. And Charlie says, hey, if you're writing a wrestling picture, you need to know about wrestling. And Barton's like, oh, I don't think I need to know anything about wrestling. Which seems like a really bad quality for a writer who claims he cares about the common man. He doesn't seem like he wants to understand. Yeah, or even like he doesn't seem to want to understand the main theme of the picture. But Charlie's being helpful. He offers to show Barton some wrestling moves. And then uh, he gets knocked by... Charlie? Yeah, he's no match for Charlie. Charlie's way bigger and he pins him yeah, immediately. And the Charlie apologizes and he leaves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Next scene has been being super, super drunk and Barton starts criticizing him Bill. being an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bill starts peeing. Yeah, he goes to leave. He kind of wanders into the forest and starts peeing. And then Audrey follows, but then Bill hits her. Yeah. And Barton got upset. And Audrey says kind of an important line. She says, empathy requires understanding. Right. Do you notice that when Mayhew or Bill is leaving, he keeps singing very loudly. Yeah. And the song he's singing is actually a song written from the point of view of a slave. Oh, that's interesting. Kind of like he's a slave to the movie studios. Ah, I see. So then we go back to the hotel and... Bart and Fink is actually starting to do some writing. Yeah, just a little bit. And we kind of pan under the table, and what do we see? His feet. Yeah. And uh, shoes not matching. The shoes are too big. Too big, yeah. Charlie comes with a pair of shoes, and apparently Chet. Yeah, I guess he got the shoes mixed up, because right. they have a shoe shining service at the hotel. And then Charlie mentions he seems to know that there's like a sex noise from the other side of the... Right, which is weird, because... As Barton points out, it's like, it shouldn't be possible for him to hear that. Yeah. Charlie says he needs to leave for a few days. To New York. Right. The New York is where Barton's from. So he says, you know, you can visit my uncles. Yeah, his uncle and his parents. And he gives him the address. Yeah. So then after that, Barton goes to see Geisler again, the lower producer. Then like he says he can't get started. And the lower producer gets really upset because... Lower producer already told the higher producer that the uh, Barton's work is in progress. Yeah, like, he said it's good. He's like vouched for it. Right. So it's his ass on the line. And then like you have to visit the higher producer's house next day at 8 
a.m. Yeah, to tell him the broad strokes of the story. Yeah, yeah. I also want to mention that when he first walks in to see Geisler, mm. his face is all covered with mosquito bites. And as he points out, there aren't any mosquitoes in Hollywood because it's in the middle of the desert. Right. Which I Google to see if it's true. Uh. And it seems like it is. It seems like there's actually no mosquitoes wow. there. So it's really weird that these mosquitoes are in his hotel room. Wow. Since Geisler is in trouble, mm. if Barton doesn't write a good script, mm. he sets up a screening theater for him. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then Barton gets to see the wrestling picture screening, but he only sees one scene again yeah. and again. It's like raw footage, like daily footage. So he's just watching the mm. same take over and over and over again. So after that, Barton is desperate, so he calls Audrey. She comes eventually, very late night. Yeah. And she kind of gives him like ideas, you know, like there's good wrestler, bad wrestler, and there's like some conflict and uh, overcome, and it's usually like he has like love interest or like the wrestler has like orphan, it's just a formula. And she's really, really helpful. And it was kind of revealed like, Audrey helps Bill a lot. Yeah. It's actually it's more than just help. She writes for him. Bill has some general idea, but she's someone who writes. She's like a kind of... Like, Ghostwriter. Ghostwriter. Yeah, she actually wrote his last few books for him and yeah. all his screenplays. Yeah. And then they uh, start kissing and I think they have sex. Yeah, so they never actually get to work. They end no. up having sex. Yeah. And then when he wakes up, there's a mosquito on her back. So he hits to kill the mosquito and he hits and then there's like a blood the blood coming from under her body as well like spreading on sheets and then it shows she's actually dead that moment in particular was like really really shocking yeah I was really shocked and then uh, Brandon screams and then Charlie comes How are you okay? he says like I ha I'm in a huge trouble please help me I need to call the police. Charlie sees the dead body. Charlie's like, you shouldn't call the police because you're, you'll be in a big trouble. Like, people assume you killed her. Yeah, they'll hang you. you yeah. Know. Yeah, which is probably true. Yeah. The things he's saying kind of sound reasonable. Pretty reasonable. So he said, I'll take care of it. And he carries the dead body. Yeah, <laughs> yeah to the next. You laughed at that part, I guess, because he kind yeah. of hits her head on while carrying her out. <laughs> Yeah. Now, at that point, were you a bit suspicious of Charlie or you, were you like, oh, Charlie's a good friend? I was suspicious. You were suspicious, yeah. So then Barton goes to the meeting that he has to go to. Yeah, with the higher producer. Yeah, Lipnick. First, Barton tried to come up with the story and he can't, so he tells a lie. He says, I don't like to talk about it before it's finished, which is yeah. a really lame thing that writers use as an excuse <laughs> when they actually don't have anything. They're uh, like, yeah, yeah, I, it's all in my head. I haven't put it on paper, but you know, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> the irony is that when you're a writer, if you're having writer's block, it actually helps to talk about it. It. He doesn't want to admit that he needs help. He kind of gets offered help and never actually like accepts mm. it. So the head producer's assistant or server, Lou says, please don't do that. It's in a contract you have to speak out. And then Ripnik gets mad. We think he 
it's gonna be mad at Burden, but instead the producer gets mad at Lu. At the assistant, yeah. Assistant. It's really surprising. Yeah, and、uh, he said, don't, don't say that to like a really respectful He, he's writer. He's very morally outraged. He's like, how dare you talk to him? He's an artist. You should kiss his feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you'll be fired. And then he gets fired. Yeah, he ends up firing Lu. Yeah. Although we find out later on that it was just temporary because Lu's、yeah. back again later.、Yeah. But he actually gets down and kisses Barden's feet and apologizes. Yeah. And then he comes back to the hotel to find out Charlie's leaving. But Charlie says he will come back. In a few days. And he's crying. He's like super upset that Charlie's leaving. And there's a, like, like a huge blood stain on the mattress of the bed. And,、uh, and Charlie leaves Barden with a mysterious box that he says is full of personal items. Yeah. So he's trying to write、mm. and finds a Bible in the desk because、yeah. every hotel has a Bible in it, a Gideon Bible. And he reads a passage from the Bible.、Mm. And the passage is interesting. This is the actual passage. I wrote it down. And the king. Nabuchandnezzar answered and said to the Chaldeans, I recall not my dream. If ye will not make known unto me my dream and its interpretation, ye shall be cut into pieces, and of your tents shall be made a dunghill. The name mentioned in that biblical passage、mm. is Nebuchadnezzar, which is also the name of the book that Bill wrote. When they were having lunch, Bill's like, Here's my book. And it had the same title. Oh. Bill wrote, or actually, maybe Audrey actually wrote it.、Mm. And that passage from the Bible is specifically from a story where they're talking about a king who asks, like, kind of a wizard or prophet, like, Tell me what my dream means. But he won't, the king won't say what happened in his dream.、Mm. And the sorcerer's like, Well, how can I interpret the dream if you don't tell me what the dream was?、Mm. So he interprets it anyways, and he interprets the dream as a sign that the apocalypse is coming. Okay, that's interesting. And the next page is like exactly the same sentence as what he types. Yeah, it's like the only thing he's written so far, and he sees it in the Bible. And then he goes downstairs to meet two detectives. That's right. They show a photo of Charlie. It seems like Charlie is a criminal. They say his name's not Charlie at all, but his real Name is Carl Munt or Madman Munt. He's like a serial killer who cuts off people's heads. And I didn't totally understand that conversation, but like, did they find that Audrey's body too? They found Audrey's body with no head.、Oh. So that's why they realized it must be him. And Barden kind of covers for Charlie. Yeah. So he doesn't say like anything useful. Detectives are very funny. They're like fast talking、mm. detectives. And he says something along the lines of Usually we say that any little piece of information can. Be helpful, but in your case, it's not. And then the other detective says, You notice how he's not writing it down? <laughs> I love that line. Yes. Then Bardin goes back. He goes to write. Yeah. And he puts tissue in his ears, the same way Charlie puts tissue in his ears.、Uh. And then he starts to really focus and he writes the entire script. Yeah. At one point, he calls his friend in New York saying, I'm, I'm writing best work ever. Yeah. And I think it was like a Middle of night, and the friend seems annoyed. Like, yeah, you seem like you've lost your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's worried. The name of the script, by the way, is Burly Man.、Uh, <laughs> he's super happy and he goes out to do dance 
party where he dances really hard and、uh, that seems really funny. How did you like his dancing? I love that dancing. <laughs> so, as he's dancing, a guy from the Navy cuts in and says, Hey, let me have a dance with her. I'm important. Yeah. And Barden's like, You're important. I'm a writer. <laughs> I'm the most important person I create. I'm a writer. I'm a guy. I'm a creator. <laughs> I'm a creator. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. very full of himself. Yeah. Gets into a big fight. Yeah. And then he kind of knocks down. <laughs> yeah. So he leaves, goes back to the room, and he sees the detectives back. Yeah. And reading his script. They're, yeah, they're making fun of the screenplay. Right. They've seen the giant bloodstain on his mattress. Yeah, yeah, of course. And they reveal through a newspaper that Bill has also been murdered. And they also find out that Barton Fink knew Audrey. So he's really、right. connected to the murder now. Yeah. They handcuff Barton to the bed because they hear the elevator coming, and Barton's like, It's hot in here. Charlie's coming. Yeah, Charlie's coming. And then can you describe what happens next, Sari? It's pretty amazing. Yeah, so like the detectives go out to the hallway,、yeah. and then we see fire coming from the elevator. Charlie appears, and then like suddenly Charlie opens the bag, and there's a big shotgun, and he starts shooting, <laughs> and one detective is hit. And Charlie says something. Yeah, so Charlie starts walking down the hallway with the rifle to kill、yeah. the other detective. Yeah. And fire follows behind him. He looks like a demon. Yeah. As he's walking down the hallway, he repeats the line over and over again Look upon me, I'll show you the life of a mind! Look upon me, I'll show you the life of a mind! <laughs> And then Charlie put the gun to the forehead、yeah. of the detective and then he shoots. Yeah. It's really badass. It's a really badass scene. What did you think of that scene of him, the fire, the flames <laughs> rising out of the little space between the elevator and him、yeah. coming out and the fire like following yeah, him? Yeah, it's super cool. So then he goes to visit Barton. Barton says, Why me? And Charlie says, Because you don't listen. <laughs> he kind of explains his point of view and he's like,、mm. You know, you don't have to be in this hotel. Barton Fink. Could have gone to a very expensive hotel. He has like a lot of money, but he chooses a shitty hotel because he thinks he's going to be more in touch with what it's like to be poor.、Mm. But he's just pretending. And that's what Charlie says. He's like, You're just a tourist with a typewriter, and I actually have to live in this hell.、Mm. And you don't listen to anyone. And Barden kind of realizes that he's right and he says, I'm sorry. Yeah. And Charlie's like, Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. He uses all his strength and breaks the bed and saves Barden from being killed by the flames. Right. Then Charlie, before he leaves, he says, By the way, the box I left, I lied. Yeah. It's not mine. It's not mine. Yeah. So Barden Fink takes his script and the box and he leaves the burning hotel, just like casually walks down the halls as they're flaming. Before doing that, he sees Charlie going into the room, which is full of fire. It's、right. like as if he goes back, like kind of normally. It's like he's the devil going back to hell, or he's just a regular man who's going into his room to die. Or... Yeah. So then the next scene we have is Barden meeting with the executive of the movie studio. Right, Lipnik. And Lipnik is wearing an army uniform because this is at the beginning of World War II.、Mm. And we find out that he's so excited that he doesn't have. Have a uniform yet. He had the wardrobe department give him a uniform so he could kind of pretend to play soldier. <laughs> he didn't like the script. Yeah, he hated it. And as a punishment, he's going to force Barton to stay on contract. Like he's going to keep paying Barton and keep making him write, but he's never going to produce any of his things. So nobody will ever get to read his work as、right. a punishment. Right. Do you think that's a bad punishment? Because 
I don't know. It's not that bad. He's still getting paid lots of money. Yeah. And he could always write a book on the side or something. Like, yeah, like only for screenplay, right? Yeah. It's like the contract. That's、is. right. It seems like a nightmare, but really, it's not that bad. It's no nightmare. It's like kind of one. Yeah. Like a dream job. And then Barton goes to the beach. Yeah. And it's interesting because he keeps looking at this photograph of this beach, like he's fantasizing about it. But he's living in Hollywood. He could go to the beach anytime he wants. He just doesn't. Then that's the beautiful woman. Which is exactly like the woman in the photo. She asks him, "What's in the box?" And he says, "I don't know." And she says, "Is it yours?" And he says, "I don't know." <laughs> yeah. And the movie ends with the same shot that we see on the photograph. Oh yeah. Before he meets the executive producer, he tried to reach his uncle. Yeah, and he doesn't get any answer. Right. So it's implied there's a good chance that Charlie might have murdered his family. Right. It's a movie about criticizing. Writer's job. Barton Fink doesn't seem like he would actually be a good writer, does he? No. <laughs> did his play at the beginning? Did it seem like it was a good play? No. No. No, but it's you know hard to understand, and everyone, every audience was standing up, so I wasn't sure. Barton is is really hypocritical. He says he wants to write theater for the masses, and he's too good to write for the movies. But isn't a movie kind of like theater for the masses?、Mm. What did you think of Barton Fink's hair? I like it. It's that... very big. He's got a big hair. It's a bit like the hair of a racer. Head a little bit. Oh yeah, that's true. I noticed watching this movie again that they say the word head many, many times. Barton Fink seems like he has a giant head、mm. because of his giant hair.、Mm. And Charlie, of course, is a murderer who chops off people's heads. Oh. And Charlie uses the word head a lot. Like he says it. He says an expression where there's life, there's hope. But he accidentally、mm. says where there's a head, there's hope.、Mm. And when he when Barton kills the woman, he says, "Put this out of your head."、Oh. When Barton Fink. Is talking to Lou and Lipnick. Lou says the contents of your head are the property of Capital Pictures. Oh yeah. When things are going bad, he says we gotta keep our heads.、Huh. And he often says my head is killing me. Oh. And everything's about a head. And like, what did you think was inside the box? Head. <laughs> the woman's head, right? But we never know because he never opens the box. Right. But the only clue we get is Charlie when he gives him the box says everything I care about is in that box. Isn't it weird that everything you care about in your whole life can fit in a tiny box? And it's almost like he's talking about a person's head. It's like、wow. every thought you've ever had, every memory, it's all in this tiny little vessel、mm. that's your head. When Barton Fink goes crazy、mm. at the dance party and he says, "I'm an artist," he points to his head. Oh yeah. He says, "This is my uniform. This is what makes me great.、Oh, it's、yeah. my head." That makes me laugh. Yeah. Is what's inside your head valuable or、mm. not? Everything about being a writer is like what's inside his head.、Mm. A common theory is that the entire movie's just a dream. Some people say that the Second half, like after the murder, that that whole part's a dream.、Aww. But the directors have actually said、huh. that you shouldn't look for any hidden meaning. The meanings in the story, there's no meaning outside the story. Now they said that, but there's all these like weird little references and clues and like symbolism that really seems like there's something deeper than what's actually going on. Yeah, so it's like, for example, wallpaper keeps falling. So like a lot of people said that the wallpaper and the decaying hotel is kind of like representing his frame of mind. It's all like kind of falling apart. His brain、right. is falling apart, and he says, "I feel like I'm going crazy." But even if the wallpaper is meant to symbolize that,、mm. it doesn't mean that there's like a secret story underneath,、mm. right? But the interesting thing is. It seems like when the Coen brothers were writing the movie,、mm. they kind of had some awareness that some people might look into the movie deeper and try to find some、Aww. deeper hidden meaning.、Aww. 
And they actually put in some things almost as a joke to fool people. <laughs> this movie takes place right before America joins World War II. Right. And the two detectives have German sounding names that kind of sound like the names of Nazis. Oh yeah, and then Charlie says Hail Hitler. He says too. Hail Hitler right before he shoots the guy. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. And of course, Bart and Fink is Jewish, oh. and the detectives seem like they're anti-Semitic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But apparently, the Coen brothers have said that they just kind of put that in to, like, trick people. It was just kind of like a joke. They knew that some people might look really deeply and think, oh, maybe it's oh. symbolic of fascism or something. So they kind of put that in to troll the audience a little bit. They wrote this movie very quickly. Mm. They were writing their first movie, or one of their first movies, Miller's Crossing, and they got stuck. They started to have writer's block, just like oh. Barton Fink, and they couldn't get anywhere further in the story. Mm. So they started writing Bart and Fink as just a way to like, wow. fill up time. And they wrote that script in only three weeks. Wow. John Turturro was in Miller's Crossing and they wrote this part directly for him. And all the actors in the movie, it seems like they kind of wrote those parts directly mm. for those actors. You know, when you make a movie in Hollywood, you have to send the script to certain groups of people. Mm. I guess all the scripts just automatically get sent out to the ASPCA. They're an organization that makes sure that no animals are harmed in the making of a movie. Okay. And they were really concerned about whether or not a mosquito was going to actually get killed for real in the movie. What? Yeah, so they had to do it like fake. They couldn't actually kill a mosquito for real. Really? They, they had to fake it because you can't hurt any animals when you're uh, making a movie. I wonder how they shot that mosquito bite scene. Seems really real. Yeah. Do you think they got mosquito? To actually bite somebody. Mm. Yeah, it's obvious that that's actual footage of a mosquito eating uh, somebody. I don't know if it was stock footage or if they shot it specially. That was cool. It was probably the best depiction of a mosquito drinking blood that I've seen in any <laughs> movie so far. How do you think this movie was received when it came out? It's a weird movie, so some people li really liked it, some people didn't really like it. The movie played in Cannes, and it won the Palme d'Or Award, like the award for Best oh, Movie. Really? It won Best Actor for John Turturro. Oh, yeah. And it really won good. Best Director. Oh. And in fact, after that, they changed the rules to say that you couldn't win all three awards anymore because oh. of that movie. Because that movie won so many awards, they were like, we need to change the rules so that a movie doesn't win all the awards again. Wow. Wow. It's kind of a legendary movie. It was very well received. Wow. There must be some people who didn't like it. I suppose, but it's really kind of a perfect movie. It's really well structured. It's got great music, great acting. The music was really good. The cinematography. What did you think of the performances? Like, they're all like oh, really yeah. good actors, they're aren't super, they? super, super good. John Goodman, he does such a good job of playing a character that's kind of creepy, scary, and yet likable at the same time. And I don't know any other actor mm. who could play that character that well. When he first gets to the hotel and I totally forgot about this till we rewatch it but he rings a bell and the bell oh, just yeah. doesn't stop ringing until Chet puts his finger on it to stop it from yeah, ringing. Yeah 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 that's like really subtle weird thing happens once in a while it's kind of mysterious so I stays interested but nothing big really happens until suddenly it all turns around and suddenly you know that shocking scene where Audrey mm. is it's a huge it's a huge twist that it's you really like don't see coming. Really big turn like had like a totally different touch in the first half and the second half. When people talk about screenwriting structure they always talk about having a big turning point right mm. at the 50% mark of the film. But they made it so clear and so shocking. Yeah. Like that's always a difficult thing to write because it's halfway through the second act and you're like what big twist can I have that completely changes the movie? It's very difficult and very few movies actually succeed in doing that. Mm. 
And this movie really succeeded in doing that well. Like halfway through, just everything changes. Aww. So the actor that they're talking about in the movie, there's an actor named Wallace Beery. He's the guy who's going to star in the movie that Bart and Fink's writing. When Bart and Fink doesn't have the script ready, he's like, oh, Wallace oh. Beery's going to be disappointed at the actor because the whole movie is supposed to be like helping this actor. Right. Wallace Beery was like the name of an actual actor. They kind of put him in as a joke. Like, wouldn't it be funny if he was in a wrestling movie? But what they didn't realize is that he actually was in a wrestling movie. And they found out later like, oh, we wrote it as a joke. But it turned out he was actually in a wrestling movie in 1932 called Flesh. Oh. They accidentally made a true thing. Okay. <laughs> John Turturro, in preparation for this movie, he went to a secretary school so he could learn how to type to make his typing look good in the movie. What did you think of the way the typewriter was portrayed? Every time you see any button being pressed, and there's two characters typing. There's a secretary mm. in the producer's office, and then there's Barton. And the sound effects and like the close-ups of the typewriter, and mm. like every stroke of the keys is like a pounding hammer. Like it's trying to show the power of words. Yeah, those sound is really satisfying. It makes me wish that we still wrote with typewriters. You have a keyboard. I bought a very loud clocky keyboard in order to come close, but it's not quite the same as a typewriter. When I was a kid, my family didn't really have computers, so I actually did use a typewriter. Oh, wow. And I had a manual one and an electric one. Mm. I prefer the manual one, though. It felt a lot more satisfying than the Mm. electric. Also, it's way easier to make mistakes, I find, on an electric typewriter. But but typewriters are pain. You know, you type too fast and the the little arms or whatever get all stuck together. Mm. I know there's some people who still love working on typewriters but they're not the most convenient way to type but Do still very satisfying. Do some people still use typewriters? Nerds. Typewriter oh. nerds. Kind of like train nerds, you know. People who like to go to the park and write haikus and uh-huh. on typewriter and sell them and all the more power to them. Oh. They've thought about making a sequel to Bart and Fink. Sequel? Yeah, they thought about waiting till John Turturro got old oh. and setting the movie in the 1960s and calling it Old Fink. Huh. And it would be like a story of him getting in trouble. Like, you know, there's a whole thing in Hollywood where a lot of actors were accused of being a communist. Oh. But to this day, they haven't made that movie. Mm. As far as I know, they haven't actually made sequels to any of their movies. Mm. There's like a TV show based off of Fargo, which is kind of a sequel to the movie Fargo. But the Coen brothers, even though they produced it, they didn't actually have any hand in writing that, as far as I know. I want to know what you feel about Charlie's... He's obviously a bad guy. He's like a murderer. But if he had actually tried to put his frustration and his anger down on writing instead of murdering people, he probably would have been a much better writer than Barton Fink would have been. Charlie, he's down to earth and he says that he understands the common man. He empathizes, he understands. He says several times throughout the movie, I got stories to tell. Right. And we never get to hear those stories because this is about Barton yeah. Fink. But Barton Fink, he doesn't have stories to tell. He doesn't have any experiences. His yeah, character just... is young and not very interesting. And honestly, if, if Charlie had been a writer, he would have been a much better writer. Yeah, but you know, Barton had some experience too. That's like a dead body in his room and he's going insane. I mean, the only movie that he could have written based off of those experiences, I suppose, <laughs> is the movie that we're watching. <laughs> so if he was going to write an autobiographical mm. movie about himself, I don't think he would have been able to because I don't think he's self-aware enough. And the ending of the movie is far from final. He doesn't say this is a purgatory that you're going to be in forever where you're writing scripts. He says until you grow up a bit. So maybe this is actually a really good opportunity for Barton at the end to take some time and get to know the world and become a better writer. What do you think about the ending? Like whether he's happy or sad or depressed? So when I watched this movie when I was younger, I saw the ending and I was like, oh, his writing career is ruined. But now I look at it more like a minor setback. I'm like, it's not 
that bad. He's making money. He has freedom <laughs> to write. Yeah. What does Barton Fink really care about? He says he cares about making something beautiful for the common man. Mm. But does he really care about that? Or does he just really want good reviews and money and standing mm. ovations? Because if it's true that what he really wants is to just concentrate on writing, that's the gift he's been given. He's got all this time on his hand. He's got all the money he needs. He can't do anything else. He's got nothing to do but write and work on his craft and become a better writer. And he's young enough that he can still do that if he doesn't become an alcoholic yeah. like the other guy. But like he doesn't, Bill. he didn't seem very happy in the beginning either. I think he doesn't want to be happy because he says writing comes from a place of great pain. But it also That's doesn't right. seem like he's had a lot of pain. He's talking to Charlie mm. and Charlie says, oh, I've had so much pain. Everyone I know is dead. And Barton says, yeah, yeah, I've got lots of friends and family and people who love me, but I feel the same way. Mm, yeah. Maybe now that he's actually lost his parents and his uncle and the girl that he loved, maybe he's actually got some real pain in his heart to tell a good story. Mm. But honestly, you don't really need to have a soul full of pain to be a good writer. You know, and Bill kind of contradicts that. He says earlier, like, I don't think writing comes from the place of pain. I just like to make things up and have fun with writing. Right. Kind of a hypocrite because he's a huge alcoholic. He's yeah. abusive. And then we find out that he didn't even write most of the things he wrote. Right. So. And I think they in the meaning Audrey is kind of a protagonist. Those two writers, they're both hypocritic and the fact that she actually writes but she only does it for good and she said like emphasis understanding. Yeah. It's like kind of she's on the right way. We're to assume that the last two books by that writer were like really really good because Barton says you're one of the finest novelists of our time but then it turns out that Audrey wrote those books. Yeah. So Audrey we can assume is actually a really brilliant writer. Yeah. But she doesn't even care if she gets the credit or not. Yeah. Barden's going around screaming, I'm a writer, I'm a creator, I'm important. And she doesn't care about that stuff at all. Right. She goes to help Barden yeah. the same way she helps Bill because it seems like she really loves writing and she just wants to see mm. writing get made and she doesn't care about the credit or anything. Mm. She just does it. She's the muse behind the scenes. Right. So Sari, what did you think of the hotel? Hotel is really symbolic. Again, you know, it looks really run down, but it's really weird. And uh, also the wallpaper it keeps peeling. And yeah. It's like really sticky inside. Really like sweat. The wallpaper glue, it's not like a dry glue or something. It's like a really, it's like slime almost in the walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the colors used in the hotel are kind of like gross kind of oh, yeah. red and green and yellow and like kind of pussy, bloody colors. Yeah, it's really gross. You know, there's a sink and then there's a water pipe. There's one scene like where you can hear all the noises through the water pipe. Yeah, we're not sure if it's a dream or not or if even the whole movie's a dream, but that water pipe scene is right after Barden has sex with Audrey. Right. And we hear screaming almost like it's the sound of maybe Charlie killing Audrey. Oh yeah. But we don't really realize that because we don't know that Audrey's about to die, so it just seems like a dream. Yeah. It's obvious that the intention of the hotel is to show us like this is like a bad hotel like it's a kind of a hellish place at the end of the movie when the walls catch fire it's like we're literally in a hotel from hell but at the same time i've stayed in worse hotels than
than that. The room is pretty big. It's got like a lot of furniture. The lobby is actually really beautiful. It's got kind of like a 1920s style. Mm. It seemed like this hotel must have been a really beautiful hotel at some point. Yeah, when I say symbolic, I thought hotel is kind of representing his head. It could represent his brain or like, you know, entrance is nice. Right, the surface level. Surface level is nice and deeper. Oh yeah, and there's like a creepy guy in the elevator <laughs> and then deeper off, you know, higher you go. It's kind of deeper himself and then, yeah, the hallway really similar. All the rooms are very similar. And then there's like one room he's stuck and he kind of struggles. He struggles more like the wallpaper appears. It's like it kind of follows his struggle and he's maybe more like true self would show up and it's really dirty and gross. I was just thinking, you know, he has to wait a long time for that elevator and right. it's like a little bit comedic how slow it is. It kind of reminds me a bit of the <laughs> elevator scene from Eraserhead. Oh, But yeah. then again, everything reminds me of Eraserhead, I guess. Mm. So his room, it's dark, it's grimy, it seems like not a nice place. Yeah. And yet, I don't know, I always felt like there was something a bit romantic about it, like this idea of a writer typing in like this shitty, oh. gross, like there's something, it's kind of like the writer's dream in a way, to be in like this place with no distractions, mm. except for everything distracts him, things that shouldn't distract him. And the picture. Yeah, so most hotel rooms have like a few different pictures, mm. but this hotel room only has one tiny little picture in it. Mm. It's the only thing he can look at. Right. And we see it often and it's how the movie ends. So that picture seems like it has some strong yeah. significance. Yeah, it does. I think it's really cool and it's like a big aha moment at the end where you're like, wow, it's in the picture, but I don't know what it means. Like some people oh. would maybe use it as an evidence to say like, well, that proves that the whole thing's just a dream, but I'm not sure. Oh. He's really obsessed with that photo, right? Yeah. Like he just stares at it and stares at it. And one point he puts Charlie's photo that he gives him on it <laughs> yeah. and it's like his main thing that he looks at mm. and like I said he could easily go to like a real beach but the yeah. thing is like he's a writer he's an artist he's trying to create like a beautiful moving story like a mm. beautiful piece of art but the thing that he's most moved by mm. artwork wise is he's obsessed with this little photograph this little piece of like kind of lowbrow artwork yeah and I think he's most attractive to the lady I don't know because it's not like really that sexy of a photo it's just a woman's Aww. back. I don't know what it is about that image that makes him so obsessed, but it's like the only point of light in this otherwise dark, dismal thing. It's like a shot of a beach. Yeah, and, and he always hears the sound of the sea. I don't think he's turned on like, oh, this is a sexy photo. It seems like he's having a real emotional reaction. Like it's making him feel something in his soul. Mm. I don't know what that feeling is, but it like speaks to him. And it's not like just a sexual thing. Like when he sees the woman, he doesn't like hit on her. Mm. I don't know like he does ask out Audrey and he ends up sleeping with her but mm. there also is some kind of like He's wrestling with Charlie and right. I don't know. It's, it's a bit ambiguous what Barton thinks sexuality mm. actually is. At one point, Charlie asks him like, do you have a girlfriend? He's like, I don't have time for women because of my art. Mm. But who knows if he's just saying that to be pretentious or not. Maybe if everything is mostly dream, could be that photo is like something he's really relieved by. I think it's really significant the hotel's burnt down yeah. by then and he somehow survives. Yeah, it's, it's, very, really, it's very dreamlike for sure. Really dreamlike. You know, it's like he was in the mental room, but he gets out at the end. He's escaping. To, yeah. And he's not leaving anything behind. Yeah. He's like burning his past. Except he still holds on to the box. Yeah, yeah. 
He does. Mm. It's not like he just leaves his screenplay and it, that might have been a different ending if he just left his play and like let it burn. Oh yeah, he wants to keep it. He's still in love with it. Mm. It's hard to know what he's learned and what he hasn't learned by yeah. the end. Yeah. How long did it take you to realize when that woman came in, he was on the beach, how long did it take you to realize, oh, this is the shot from the picture? Oh, I realized when there's like the sound of the sea. Oh, you figured it out like yeah, immediately. It's be, yeah. I guess you're quicker than me. It always, you always seem to figure these things out before I do. It looks like, you know, in a way, you know, he gets out of the hotel, like burning hotel to go back to, you know, the reality where his script is criticized and he goes to the beach. It seems like in a way it's like he goes to like a real world, but at the same time it's still dream because it's kind of, we don't know that beach is actually real or not either. Still like he goes on to like a different dream. There are some things in the movie that are very difficult to explain if we just think like everything's real. I mean, the idea that Charlie can just walk down the hallway and the fire like follows him like, yeah, you know, but this is a film and film isn't meant to be like completely realistic. It yeah. doesn't need to be totally grounded in reality. But one thing is Audrey's death. Audrey died while Barden was unconscious and he said I was knocked out, but he wasn't really drunk or anything, right? Mm. He was just sleeping. So you kind of have to wonder how did somebody murder her in bed beside him without him waking up and noticing. Mm. And we never see it. Like we assume it's Charlie because he's a murderer, but his whole MO is that he shoots people with a rifle and then chops their head off. Yeah. And she does get her head chopped off later on Yeah. after he's taken the body away, but it's possible that Charlie didn't actually kill her. Yeah, I don't think it's Charlie. You don't? No. Do you think Barden killed her? Yeah, I think so. Why would Barden kill Audrey? He goes crazy. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's really a good reason. No? Like, he doesn't seem like the kind of person who just murder I don't know, there's like somebody. a madness about himself, and I think the mosquito represents the madness. So you think he actually murdered her, and like then he... Charlie is also a murderer, and they just coincidentally met each other two murderers? Yeah. There's another possibility. There's also Bill. She mentions that Bill gets insanely jealous. Oh, So one of, yeah. one of my thoughts when I first watched this movie was, did Bill somehow murder her? Oh, like that's before, possible. Before, like when I watched the movie for the first time, my thought was, what if Bill somehow snuck into the hotel room and mm, murdered her? Yeah, it's possible. Either Bill. I, I don't think it's Charlie though. There's also the possibility mm. that Charlie is imaginary mm. and Barton Fink murdered her and he murdered Bill. Yeah. Maybe he's actually the serial killer who goes around chopping people's heads off. Yeah, I mean, if it's all a kind of dream life, you know, if there's in a theory I brought up, the hotel is his mind. Yeah. It's like a different room, but Charlie is one of his other rooms. Right. There's another side of him. Charlie's like, because Charlie <laughs> even says at one point, why don't you make me the character in your wrestling picture? Mm. Maybe everyone who lives in the hotel is just a character in Barton Fink's mind. Mm. Maybe Barton Fink is is actually just a character in the Coen brothers' mind. <laughs> well, I mean, he is. But he is. It sounded better in my head as soon as I said it out loud. I realized that sounded kind of dumb. Yeah. Yeah, well, I thought the mosquito, if it's mosquito, it's completely imaginary because there's no mosquito in Hollywood. That means if there's no mosquito in his room, he just keeps hitting himself without noticing it. Mm. That can be like a sign, you know. He just hurts himself like when he sleeps. So he could just be suffering from like this severe mental illness. Yeah. <laughs> and then the fact that there's a mosquito on her back, like kind of imaginary mosquito, and he hits really, really hard 
could be pointing out maybe he killed her without noticing <laughs>、mm. I don't I don't know it's really hard to like it's totally、yeah. it's definitely possible but it's hard to imagine because you never really see him get too violent he's kind of a weakling character he's he's like the kind of person you never expect to be a murderer but then I guess、right. sometimes that's what people are but maybe if like you said if it's in his mind、mm. maybe everything that happens in the hotel is imaginary and everything ha- that happens outside the hotel is real so maybe he did meet Audrey and Bill、mm. but <laughs> it was only his fantasy that Audrey came over and had sex with him because really、yeah. it's weird that she'd have sex with him there's no chemistry between them at all like John Turturro he's a famous actor and he's considered to be quite handsome but he's playing this sort of nerdy character with glasses and hair like do you think Barton Fink is an attractive looking man no in the scene where they're about to have sex she kind of pushes him down like she's on top like she's being the aggressor、right. she takes his glasses off and he has the、oh, goofiest、yeah. look on his face and he's like <laughs> oh and then she's like oh yeah I want that like I don't know I am I wrong yeah no no you're right yeah <laughs> so maybe it's not really attractive so everything that happens in the hotel is like a bit less realistic than everything that happens outside maybe everything、yeah. that happens in the hotel is in his own mind and everything yeah, that including happens outside the detective is real guy. yeah the detectives you only see inside the hotel Audrey dying maybe Audrey's still alive maybe he never actually wrote the screenplay you know you hear a writer say like oh it's all in my head maybe that was him just writing it in his head、uh, oh no but he does show the screenplay to yeah I guess,、so、he, I guess the screenplay he did write it I wondered if in the story he wrote if the wrestler actually turns out to be a serial killer who <laughs> <laughs> that would have been an interesting twist on a wrestling picture yeah yeah rather than just having a good wrestler and a bad wrestler yeah 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 the mosquitoes seem like they're connected to the wallpaper and also the sex noises yeah and you know we saw the poster poster of the movie yeah and Barden Fink's face yeah I've seen that it's weird I've seen the poster for the movie many times but it's only today that I noticed that there's a mosquito on his forehead in the yeah yeah、poster. there's a mosquito and there's a big shadow of the mosquito on his forehead and as we're shadow puppeteers <laughs> we know that shadows don't work that way no it's you, too big you can't the have the too big <laughs> the only way the shadow could be that big is if the light source was like right in front of his face yeah <laughs> Yeah, so it's really like a kind of his imaginary shadow on his head. Of course, the Coen brothers didn't make the poster. Right. That was some graphic designer somewhere. But yeah, yeah. it's still, there are clues in the movie that the mosquito isn't real.、Mm, maybe, the ho- maybe the hotel isn't real either. Maybe Chet、yeah. isn't real. Maybe Barton Fink is in Chet's imagination. Maybe,、oh. maybe Chet's the real. Really? Chet's a very small character.、Oh. But we remember his name because he's played by Steve Buscemi, who's like amazing. And even in a small role, he stands、mm. out, but also because Chet makes it so clear that、mm. his name is Chet. He says it like three times and、yeah. hands him a piece of paper that、yeah. says Chet on it. Yeah. I'm Chet. <laughs> Chet also seems to be the only person working at the hotel.、Mm. We don't see any other employees. Right. Chet is like the bellboy and he runs the front desk、mm. and he collects all the shoes. That reminds me of another thing. Charlie has some ear infection, right? Yeah. What does it mean? Like, there seems also something、yeah. about it. Well, it, the ear infection seems like it gives Barton Fink the idea to stuff tissues in his ears because he always sees Charlie、oh. with tissues stuffed in his ears and then he stuffs the tissues in his ears to、oh. keep out distractions. Right. But I also heard somewhere that the dripping pus. From Charlie's ear and the dripping、oh. glue on the wallpaper、oh. was supposed to be like connected. Like that、really? was intentional. Yeah. And I heard that、oh. like they wanted the pus from his ear to remind people of the dripping 
and goo from the wallpaper. Yeah, because it's like he hears everything too in the hotel. You know, he can hear noise from like a farther room as well. Yeah. And it seems like he hears things through the water pipe, but water pipe can be like a kind of, you know, blood. Uh, a vein? Vein can be. Or like an ear canal. Ear canal, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. a sink. The way they show the sink is the sink kind of looks like an ear. Yeah. Like a sink is a, this ear shaped thing that like collects sound. Yeah, yeah. The other thing is we never see inside Charlie's room. Oh, that's right. Which makes us think, what's in there? Is it like a bunch of dead bodies? What's in that room? Mm. There's one point where Barton goes to his room and he's like, can I come in? And Charlie's like, no, let's go to your room. Right. And Barton's like, yeah, okay, fine. Even though, Mm. even though... Barton Fink has a dead body in his room. It would have made more sense for him to go into Charlie's room. And Charlie yeah. goes into Barton's room like many, many times, mm. but we never see inside Charlie's room. Mm. Is it because it's full of dead bodies? Is it because it doesn't exist? He might not exist. And he like, he stays in the burning hotel there at the end he too, goes back into seems. his room yeah it's like he decides to stay there like maybe he's like another himself his hotel room is like the box you know you always assume that there's a the head in the box the weird thing is is why didn't the detectives look in the box when they were in the room right and why does barton just keep carrying around the box everywhere he goes oh. and never look inside it what if the box is actually the hotel, hotel. he opens up and it's the hotel and he's oh. in there like in a little window and it's oh. it's all in his head and yeah maybe or maybe we're just getting too weird with these theories <laughs> i don't i think you know it's a weird movie we we're allowed yeah, to get yeah, weird yeah. with our theories yeah i think yeah. the ho- hotel's actually in that box maybe yeah but is it real at the end too that's a question that's why i I thought that when I finished watching the movie, that my first comment was that was really dreamlike. Yeah. You know, there's like, in lots of real movies, there's some big reveal, like realization at the end. Yeah. For Holy Mountain or Mind Game, it's like some kind of, how to say, like release or like the world kind of turns and this is, you're just watching something unreal. But this movie is kind of opposite because of the ending. It kind of turns around to be, is this a dream? Like, and even ending is like a dream. There's a lot of movies where it's like, there's scenes that are a dream and scenes that are supposed to be real. And you're like, which scenes are a dream? Which scenes are real? But like, I don't think that's the way Barton Fink is. Mm. At the end of The Holy Mountain, they kind of point out this whole thing is just a movie. Mm. And I think with Barton Fink, it's kind of fun to be like, which parts are real, which parts aren't? Like, maybe the parts in the hotel are a dream and the other parts aren't. But the truth is, is that every movie is a dream. And this is a movie that wasn't pretending to be real. It was just presenting it like a dream because all movies are dreams, really. Mm. At some point, you can kind of realize you're being silly by going, which parts are real and which parts aren't real? Because you know (laughs) that none of them are real. (laughs) Yeah. Like, even when you watch a documentary, it's all kind of set up and fake. Right. You know, we're watching a dream and just some dreams are a bit more weirder than others. And some dreams are really right. realistic. Sometimes you have a dream that you're uh, you're working in an office and it's boring. All movies are dreams. They all came from somebody's head. Like the right. ongoing head motif. We kept talking about head. This this movie came from the head of, of two writers. Everything comes from someone's head. The whole world is created yeah, from a head. Yeah, maybe that's what they want to say. Um, like the lines of the Bible. The, the lines of the Bible that they they quote her about interpreting a dream right in the dream bringing on the apocalypse and you know this this movie takes place right before the u.s entered world war ii mm. 
which was, of course, after Pearl Harbor. So this movie set right before Pearl Harbor mm. happens, which was kind of like, could be considered like an apocalypse for the U.S. Right. Like this horrible disaster about to happen. Yeah. And there is this like feeling in the mm. movie where it's like, it feels like something really horrible is going to happen. Mm. And in the Bible, there's like, because they mentioned the Bible, there's lots of things in the Bible about the apocalypse. Mm. That passage is about an apocalypse coming. And there's always this idea of like, when the apocalypse comes, there's like going to be these four horsemen. And, and when John Goodman, when Charlie comes in, and like he he's like got his rifle and he's walking down the hall and he's mm. he's like the bringer of the apocalypse. He's like oh. he's like the human equivalent of the apocalypse coming and destroying everything in his path. Right. And yeah. yet he doesn't destroy Barton Fink. Yeah. Is it because he's his friend? Or maybe he can't destroy Barton Fink because Barton Fink is the creator. He created Charlie. He's the creator. He's the mind. He's a writer. So he can't be killed in his own fantasy. He can't right. die. He needs to be saved right, by right, Charlie. Right, right. Maybe. Maybe. What do you think, weird movie club fans? Send us a message and tell us what you think of Barton Fink. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Weird Movie Club. I'm Daniel. And I'm Sari. Bye. See you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Next week's movies. Next Lunch. That's right, the leg. We're finally watching a Canadian movie, the 1991 David Cronenberg film Naked Lunch. And next time, look upon me and I'll show you the life of me. Mind.